0: As always, it's great to see you. I wasn't here last week, but um, it's great to see you this week. If you can, not open up your Bibles to John chapter 5. And you're getting a handout. I, I asked Edgar, what should we cover? And if you are visiting with us or with Las Americas, I know you have not been with us in the other services that we've been doing. But we are trying to not necessarily cover every study in our One Faith Principles books, but hit some of the highlights. And so today, by God's grace and design, the topic today really fits in with Father's Day. So if you can, turn your Bibles to John chapter 5. Now, I don't know what kind of dad you had, but if you are a dad, you have a dream. If you're a dad like me, there's this dream, this understanding of why you invest in parenting. You know, And we're going to take a look at this because as we take a look in John chapter 5, I use this scripture as, as an introduction to set the stage. Because Jesus was the perfect son, and God was the perfect father. And we're going to take a look at this relationship because I believe God and Jesus shared a dream that many of us as dads share. In John chapter 5, we'll look at verse. John chapter 5, verse 16. In John chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible reads. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. What are these things? Jesus was persecuted simply because he did good things on the Sabbath. That's it. The Jews back at that time, they were very much, they had a a conviction that God said on the seventh day you should rest. So on a Saturday, they just believed we must do nothing. We live in a world where do-nothing Christianity reigns. Did you know that? That there are people who believe, man, you are saved. But in order to be saved, you must do nothing. Jesus stood in this moment being criticized. Because he said, you know what? You can do good. And that's not considered a work. You can do good on the Sabbath. And so they persecuted him for that view. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. You know what Jesus said in response? You know what his defense was? He says, I'm just like my dad. Isn't that cool? That was his defense. I'm so proud of my dad. My dad's so awesome. I'm just being like my dad. This isn't work. This isn't violation. This is an imitation of who God is. And if you're a dad today, oftentimes you feel that thrill when your kid does something just like you. If people look at my kids, they, it, it, it most it happens a lot with my daughter. My daughter says and does sing and they go, oh, we see Dave. And now she talks with my son, too. They go, oh, he's looking more and more like you. My son is way better looking than I ever was. (laughs) But it's interesting because this is the relationship Jesus had with God. Jesus looked at God and says, I just want to be like him. It goes on, verse 18. For this reason they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he's even calling God his own father, making him equal with God. You know, Jesus just walked in this zone with God. I am his number one son. Right. He had this confidence. You know what kind of confidence it was? It was killer confidence because he was so fired up about his position and standing and walk with God. It irritated people. Have you ever interacted with people like that? Maybe it's the know-it-all at work. Have you ever had someone like that? I worked a job. Now remember, I ended up graduating with a degree in political science. I started in college thinking about political science. I took a three-year break from political science, and guess what I studied? Electrical engineering. Now you know how good I was? I was not. Why did I run back to political science? I spent one summer working as a computer operator. And guess what? There was a kid, two years younger than I am, who started there three months before, and he thought he knew everything. And compared to me, he did. But I would ask him, how do you do this? How do I do that? And you know what he said? Read the manual. <laughs> Can't you just read the manual? Just read the manual. I asked him a question. He didn't even answer me. He just took the manual put it on my desk. Don't you hate it when people are like that? They have that confidence. They have all this. You go, man, I want to kill you. It threatened people to be around Jesus, oozing this walk with God. Verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than than these so that you will be amazed. He says, you know what? I just do what I see my God doing, and I just want to imitate him and be like him. This is the sincerest form of. A flattery, right? This imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And, and I just want to be like God is how Jesus walked this earth. In verse 21, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. This mentality of wanting to be like God is the mentality and is the key to finding resurrection power. And that's what we're going to talk about today. When we teach people about the true one faith of the Bible, there are a couple of things I want us to always realize. As we're studying the Bible with people, as we consider even how we came to God, there are some key key evolutionary points I want us to understand. Number one... We are standing on what is the one faith of the Bible. Like Roland said, I told my dad, you got to hear, you got to believe, you got to obey. We got an amen on that? All right. Secondly, we'll study in the future just how we look at sin. God's heart towards us. He's not there as an unloving father. You are not good enough. You don't do this well enough. And I'm sick of you. That's not how God sees us. He says, man, when I call sin, sin, it's because sin hurts whom? Us. And it hurts those around us. And God says, I hurt for you. I'm not hurt by you, but I do feel something. I feel bad for you. Because you are hurting yourself. And we won't talk about that today. Today, we're going to talk about something that just how we motivate one another. How we walk with God. That we will be people like Jesus was with his father. I think you're so awesome. I see you working all the time. You have shown me amazing things, and I want to be just like you. How does that sound? Turn to Revelation chapter 3. See, how do we motivate each other? How do we move each other? What do we talk about when we're dealing with each other? When you're studying the Bible with your friends, when you're explaining your faith, what do you say? In Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, The Bible simply says this. I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You go, that sounds pretty intense. Doesn't that sound like do the right thing? Avoid the wrong thing. And if you don't, I'm spitting you out. No, it talks about love. And it also talks about faith. When you think about the greatest loves in your life. When you talk about the friends you want to have. Don't you want them to be hot? You don't want them to be lukewarm or cold. When I talk about my marriage, you go, man, my wife with my, my marriage with my wife, it is, eh. <laughs> I'm so fired up about the blandness of our love. It is so, so amazingly Okay. If I said that right now, my wife, you'd see my you hear the slam like oh where'd where mommy go right? You definitely don't want it to be cold. And God says with faith, with love, man, it's got to be hot or not. It's not about works; it's about heart. Do you guys get me on that? Let's go on. Well, what kind of love? You know the, the idea of this, the faithfulness and the love that God wants us to have is the same love and faithfulness we want to have. That's it. That's why we say we're a church that practices common sense Christianity. Oftentimes when I work with people who aren't married, they go, well, you know, I want this love. I want this love in my life. And I said, well, make sure you're giving God the same love you want. When I'm working with couples and they're all upset, you know, my spouse isn't this way, my spouse isn't that way. I go, make sure you're giving each other the love you want. And God says, hey, guess what? I've given you the love I want. And if you have loving parents, I want you to understand, loving them is more than just being grateful for them. This is why Father's Day, this is so important for Father's Day. It's more than just being grateful to your parents. If they have really laid down their life for you and they've set a great example, deep love involves respecting them and wanting to be just like them. A lot of times when I work with our teens and, and, um, you know, we have a lot of teens who really look up to their parents. You know, I'll talk to them. I said, hey, so, you know, and and I started studying the Bible with our teens a long, long time ago now. But a lot of these teens, they just want to be like their parents. I want to have the marriage that my parents have. I want to have the relationships that my parents have. I want to have the involvement with the church my parents have. And those teens, they get fired up about being disciples. And that's a great feeling. And so just as with love, real faith appreciates, admires, and aspires. That's what we're going to talk about today. When we're talking about our walk with God, it's more than just appreciating. It's learning how to admire and aspire. Now, on the sheet, you'll see these definitions. And I just want you to understand the definitions. I want you to understand the differences. Because do you want to be great at loving? Say amen if you do. Amen. Really great at it. Is that your passion and heart? You've got to really think about love. Do you want to be faithful? Can I get an amen if you want to be faithful? You've got to think about it. It doesn't just happen. And so let's talk about it. When you appreciate. Appreciating Jesus is being grateful for what he has done. That's a good thing. Have you been taught as a, at an early age to say please and thank you? Raise your hand if you have not. There you go. If I say raise your hand if you have, some of you are like me. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do what the speaker says. I always fold my hands when they say raise your hand. And so then I'd look at you and I'd say, wow, what a surly bunch. Only 10 people raise their hand. So I just said raise your hand if you have not. See, here's the thing. You are taught to be grateful, so that's a good thing. Admiring Jesus. Admiring Jesus is understanding and praising him for who he is, his amazing qualities. I've talked to you about this over and over again. As a fellowship, we need to master this. Appreciation is conditional and transactional. It's an exchange. You give me something, I say what? Thank you. You give, I say This side gave, this side says, yeah, right? That's appreciation. Admiration is simply this, you're awesome. You don't have to give me anything, I just admire you. I admire your honesty. I admire that you are sacrificial. I admire that you are kind. I admire that you are warm. I admire how you're encouraging. I admire your courage. It's when you see someone and you see how great they are. You look at their great qualities. Don't you want to feel admiration? I just talked to a woman and and she was working through her relationship with her boyfriend. And she says, I don't feel like he adores me. What do you mean by that? He just doesn't say anything good about me. Don't you want that? Give God the love you want. Do we admire Jesus? Can you tell me a story? Not just what he did for you, but who he is. Can you tell a story? Not about what you got out of your walk with God, but how amazing God is. Have you ever just looked at someone and admire them? When you just look at your children. You know, your children do very little for you. Sorry, kids, you don't do that much for us. But you know how it is as a mom or a dad. Oh, you're so cute. These little things, oh, they're so creative. I mean, it wasn't that creative, but oh, they're creative. I used to go support my sisters when my nieces or when my niece would do something and I would sit there and be so bored. Have you ever felt that? And the singing is awful, the acting's deplorable. I can't believe. You know, I was looking to rate it on Rotten Tomatoes. But when it's my kid, it's a symphony. Best thing I ever saw, right? You admire, you adore God. Let's go on. The last one is aspiring to be like Jesus, is appreciating and admiring Him so much that your goal is to be like Him. This is what real faith is. Real faith isn't just going, Thank you, Jesus. Real faith isn't just going, Jesus, you're cool. Real faith is saying, I'm so grateful and I'm so amazed. I want to be like you. You have to get to that place in your heart before faith saves you. See, a lot of times we don't understand how much that we need to have a faith that follows Jesus. This world teaches against that. In contrast, mass Christianity, it teaches something very different. You'll go to church services, in and out, it's the same thing. You are so irredeemable. You are so horrible. You are so nothing. Jesus saved you. He rescued you. He, he, he just And you just need to kind of do everything because you're so grateful because God bailed you out. That's it. God bailed you out. Be grateful. Now change. Amen. You go. Oh, that works. That, that's what I've heard all my life. It's more than that. It's like being the parent that only says, "Doesn't matter what I did for you. I mean, not matter who I am. Don't do what don't uh, do what I say, not what I do. But do you know what I've done for you? I put a roof over your head. Do you know what I've done for you? I've I've ta- driven you to school. I've taken you all these sports. Now obey me." As opposed to, watch me. You can appeal to what you've done to someone and try to get them to be guilty and obey you. But you know what kids really want to see? An example they can follow. They want to see you speak kindly. They want to see you speak respectfully. They want to see you make sacrifices. They want to see you love like Jesus. And that doesn't mean, kids, you get a get out of jail free card. Remember, give the love you want. Well, my parents aren't loving me like Jesus, so I can do whatever I want. Mm, no. Sorry. No get out of jail free card. Because we all need to do this. Amen? But we need to have a faith that follows Jesus. It says, I want to be just like you. It's more than just being grateful. Way more. Now remember, if you want to teach it to people and, and sometimes I remind you of what we call tip Christianity. Have you guys heard me talk about it before? Yes, sirree, Bob, right? So let me say it again. Because you've got to explain this. If a server does a great job at the restaurant, what do you leave the server? A tip. You go, I'm grateful for your service. Here's a tip. Most Christianity out there operates off of that. Jesus did you a service. Now leave him a tip. It could be a tithe. It could be a good deed. It could be an an abstention from some sin. But leave Jesus a tip because you're grateful for the service he gave. But you know what you don't say? You don't say, wow, that server was so amazing. I'm quitting my job at Apple and deciding to be a server. You don't do that. You're not that into the server. (laughs) And when we tell people you're saved by tip Christianity, we're not giving the right picture. Because we're not, and we're not there. We've got to get to that point. We're so in love with Jesus. We see how awesome he is. He goes, Man, it's more than a tip I'm giving, it's my heart. Let's go on in Romans chapter 5. Let's paint a picture. We'll just look at two more passages just to see how the scriptures are encouraging us to think this way. Are you with me? Romans chapter 5. So these are just illustrations of the concept. To be honest with you, you don't need to do all these scriptures. You're just trying to get people to understand real faith follows Jesus. In Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verse 6, it says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Appreciate, and there's nothing wrong with really drilling down all the good Jesus has done for us, right? And as a parent, you better teach your kids to be grateful for all that you've done for them. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But that's not all we do. But here we say, Jesus died for your sins. You should be grateful. Well, what else did Jesus do? It says, while we were still powerless, Jesus died for our sins. Did you know that Jesus comes to give us power when we're powerless? What else does Jesus do? In verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, we were, if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You know, we get a lot of things from Jesus, and we should be grateful. One is he died for our sins. But guess what? He gives us power when we're powerless. Guess what he gives us? When we were disconnected and separated from God, he gives us connection, this reconciliation. Did you know those are the things you need? I believe all of us know we need to go to heaven. But did you know you need power because you're powerless? Do you know you need to learn how to connect? Because how the world teaches us to connect is different from what God intends. Are you grateful for all that God wants to give you? Salvation, power, connection. These are core needs. This is what we need in life just to thrive. Let's go on to Romans chapter chapter 5, verse 7. Let's review this verse. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. Admire how Christ's love is rare. For some reason, right, when you get something rare, it makes it more valuable, doesn't it? Right, you know, um, nerd time. Let's go some nerd moment, right? I bought, when I was a little kid, this comic book. It was Star Wars number one. But guess what about Star Wars number one? It came out before the movie. So I bought it because, okay, what's this? It wasn't drawn well. It wasn't very good, but I still bought Star Wars number two. And then, guess what? This movie came out called Star Wars. That Star Wars number one's value shot up because no one bought that comic when it first came out. Now, everyone was looking for it. Now, unfortunately, I was only like in sixth grade, and so I let that comic book fall apart. So, I know, you thought I was richer than I looked. (laughs) I'm about as rich as I look, and I know I don't look rich. Um, But here's the thing. Because it was rare and few people took notice of it, man, it was valuable. Jesus' love is unlike anyone else's. It emerged at a time where it was an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. It emerged as a time where if people were poor, or destitute, they were just taken away as slaves or thrown away or killed. And, and, and where people, there are certain people who are thought of as, as royalty and gods and certain people who are thought of as little more than animals. And in this moment, Jesus came in to give dignity, hope, forgiveness, kindness when people didn't even deserve it. Do you admire that? And lastly, Romans 6, verse 1. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it in any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with Him in death like His... We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, we cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You see, even when we're looking at baptism, a lot of people go, well, you don't need to get baptized. Yes, you do. Because you don't just appreciate Jesus, you don't just admire Him, you got to aspire to be like Him. And when we get baptized, we die to sin like Jesus died to sin. And we're raised to, to a new life like Jesus was resurrected to a new life. You see, you must aspire to be like Jesus. Your salvation isn't complete until you walk like Him, up onto the cross, down into the ground, and up to a new life. You guys get that? See, that's what a real faith is. It says, I'm going to be like Jesus. Let's go to 1 John and close out. So it's so important that we teach people the depth and motivation to be like Christ. It's not so tip Christianity easy. And I want us to really work on our walk with God. To make sure we're seeing God and seeing Christ in such a deep way. In 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. It says this. My dear friend, my children, I write this to you. So that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, he has an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Be grateful. Appreciate Jesus being a sacrifice for our sins. It's right there again. Gratitude. Awesome, but we don't stop there. It says in verse 3, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Admire Jesus by knowing him. You cannot really, really admire Jesus until you try to walk like he did. It's Father's Day. And guess what? A lot of us, we were resentful towards our dads until we became one. That's it. We were resentful to our parents until we became parents ourselves. And guess what? You won't know Jesus unless you walk like him. And just says, hey, that's how you admire Jesus. You know him by living like him, going, wow, this ain't easy. Lastly, verses 4 through 6. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. But the, and the truth is not in that person. But if, any, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. We take a very strong view of God's commands. And I want us to hold on to them. Because I want you to have the right picture of God and Jesus. They are not hypocrites. Jesus is not a hypocrite. Whatever he asks you to do, he does. All the commands are just a roadmap to have the heart and character and love and spirit of Christ. Do You guys get that? And so the Bible says if you can't aspire to be like Jesus, if you don't walk like him, you are not one with him. Now, I'm telling you, doesn't that make sense? It does, right? Doesn't false religion make no sense? A religion says you could be one with God, but going in a different direction. A religion that says you don't have to do anything. Just like the Pharisees that hated Jesus. They were so much convinced that on Saturdays you do nothing. And Jesus says, no, my God is always working. I want to be just like him. There are religions out there that says not just seven days. One, on the seventh day, you do nothing. They say all seven days, you do nothing. And you go, that doesn't make what? Sense. We've got to say, man, what God wants us to do is to appreciate him, yes. That's like you open up the door. Then admire him. That means you examine who he is. But you've got to aspire to be like him. He needs to take over your life and be Lord. And that is what our Father wants from our hearts. And we think he's so amazing, we want to be like him. Have a happy Father's Day.